Proverbs chapter 10. We just take it chapter by chapter and verse by verse, and we'll take the 10th and the 11th if we can cover those two chapters. We'll see how far we get. The Proverbs of Solomon. He says, A wise son maketh a glad father, but a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. These Proverbs were bound up in the life of this lad or this son. Solomon himself was a son of David, or the son of David. And uh, Solomon knew David's wisdom, and yet God gave Solomon wisdom above all other men except the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, a wise son maketh a glad father, when we have sons that are wise. But a foolish son, look at this, is the heaviness of his mother. That's a, he's a very great burden to his mother. Now, in this passage, in this chapter, we're going to find that righteousness is the best security that a person can have. It's to be right with God and to, to live right, the right kind of life. Now, notice verse 2. He says, treasures of wickedness profit nothing. When people treasure up wickedness, but righteousness delivereth from death. And then in verse 3, the Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish. His soul never famishes, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. Have you ever known the soul of the righteous to famish? Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. And he says, uh, he that eateth this bread shall never hunger. And he that drinketh of the water of life that he gives shall never thirst. And so we have... Uh, never famished we will never be without he casteth away the substance of the wicked it doesn't last very long the wicked for their wickedness is actually says in verse 4 he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand but the hand of the diligent maketh rich and verse 5 are connected let's read both verses and then we'll comment he that gathereth in summer is a wise son, but he that sleepeth in harvest is a son that causes shame now then here these two verses show us something that hard work pays off. Look at this; these two verses again. He, he becometh poor that dealeth with a slack hand. In other words, poverty is, is not anything that's bad unless you deliberately bring it on yourself and try to stay in it. And you know, a person can become poor just by dealing with a slack hand and not, not having any uh, ingenuity, not having any... But the hand of the diligent maketh rich. It, it's not that we desire to be rich, but if you're diligent, God will bless you for that. We're not talking about thousands and millions of dollars. We're talking about being rich because God is able to prosper you. But he that gathereth in summer is a wise son. So we have to put ourselves uh, to the task of hard work. And it says, but he that sleepeth in the harvest is a son that causes shame. And if you'll notice in life that those people that work hard, they're diligent, that they get along all right in this life. And if we could get the worth ethic into the hearts of many people in our country, it would be a lot better country to live in. And we'd have a lot less of uh, two people feeding ten. And I'm not putting down the welfare. I'm just saying that, you know, everyone should work. And uh, some people really try. And, of course, if a person is unable and needs help, they certainly should get help. And we're told ourselves to, to take care of the... The Bible says, He that giveth to the poor lendeth to the Lord. And he says, The Lord will surely repay. So God is going to bless us when we contribute to those that are really in need. But here the work ethic is brought out. And it pays off to work hard. And then verse 6, we're going to find the blessings of the Lord 
It says, Blessings are upon the head of the just, but violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. His head, blessings are upon it. The righteous have the blessings upon their head. And then it says, The memory of the just is blessed. The memory, the lasting blessings that come. His memory is blessed. Notice the last part of verse uh, 6. But violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. When we talk about the covered mouth, you know, in the Old Testament, the leper was to cover his mouth. And uh, the mourner would sometimes cover their mouth. And then there were others that covered their mouths. And one had his mouth covered when the shame came to him. In Esther chapter 7 and verse 8, an old Haman, let me read it for you. Esther 7 and verse 8, it says this. Well, I'll read the whole verse, but because it's in the last part of the verse. It says, Then the king returned out of the palace garden into the uh, place of the banquet of wine, and Haman was fallen upon the bed whereupon Esther was. Then said the king, Will he force the queen also before me in the house? As the word went out of the king's mouth, they covered Haman's face, because they knew Haman then was condemned to, to, to death. So violence covers the mouth of the wicked. He doesn't have much hope, and there's shame in that. The memory of the just is blessed, but the name of the wicked shall rot. And then we find in verse 8, The wise in heart will receive commandments, but a prating fool shall fall. The wise in heart, they're obedient to the word of God, they're obedient to the commandments of God, and his heart is receptive to the Word of God. Is your heart receptive to the Word of God? That's an important thing. The wise in heart will receive commandments. It doesn't say just hear commandments, but receive commandments. But a prating fool shall fall. He wouldn't naturally receive them. Then we talk about the walk in verse 9. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, but he that perverteth his ways shall be known. Look at this. It'll, it'll come out. He that perverteth his ways, it will not be hidden. It will be known. But then the walk of the upright. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely. His walk is upright and his walk is sure. And then in verse 10, He that winketh with the eye causes sorrow, but a prating fool shall fall. We find that there are people that fall because they're uh, prating fools. Verse 11 says, The mouth of a righteous man is a well of life. It's a spring of life. But violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. You have that covering mouth again. Violence covereth the mouth of the wicked. <clears throat> if you look in verse 12 now. Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sin. You have here the troublemaker and the peacemaker. They're just as opposite as one to the other. See, hatred stirreth up strifes. We don't want uh, strife to be stirred up. Uh, the Bible says the servant of the Lord must not strive. Uh, Abraham of old, when Lot herdsmen were at odds with one another because there was not room enough to feed all the cattle and they wanted they got in a conflict Abraham says let there be no strife between us and so Abraham was a peacemaker Jesus said blessed are the peacemakers isn't it a lot better to make peace than it is to make trouble here's some make trouble hatred stirreth up strife but love covereth all sins and it doesn't mean love covers sins so as to try to cover up your sin and to hide your sin, but it means it bears with. We're told, bear you one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. We're to bear others' uh, infirmities and bear others' sins in the sense that we don't try to just throw them out as an example. And when they've got a problem, try to deal with their sin instead of try to exploit it and do something of that nature. Love doesn't gloat over the other pe- uh, fellow's misfortunes and the other fellow's sins. The Bible says, listen, 
It says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, now listen, ye which are spirits, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness. What's the last, next line? Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Considering thyself. You see, you don't know when you might face the same problem. Someone says, oh, that'll never happen to me. Never say never, friend. Never say never. I think there's some that did. And they were sorry for it later. But anyway, in verse uh, 13, In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. But a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. Now look at this verse. You're either... A man is either God's mouthpiece or God's mule. Look at that. If you're, if you're God's mouthpiece, in the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. And then if you're stubborn, but a rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. He's bullheaded and he's like the old mule that won't go. And the rod is the only thing that can wake him up and get his attention. And it shows that God must either, we're either a blessing in the things of God or God has to chasten us and turn us around in the right direction. In the lips of him that hath understanding, wisdom is found. But rod is for the back of him that is void of understanding. Verse uh, 14. Wise men lay up, and they lay up for the right occasions. Wise men lay up knowledge. When you lay up knowledge, what do you lay it up for? Wise men lay up knowledge. Do you learn so that at the right and proper time you can use the knowledge and the wisdom that God and the understanding that God gives you? Some people, I've known people to study the Bible only to find a way to argue with someone. That's not the way to study the Bible. Study the Bible so you'll know what you're talking about. And then when the occasion arises, God will give you the grace and the understanding and the way to, to apply it and to use it at the proper time. And we don't need to be... Have you ever heard of people that just desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit all the time and that's all they can talk about? I mean, you know, I just got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And they want power and they want to go around with just all of it. I mean, right at hand. You know, if you have an automobile out here, and the thing may have a big engine in it, and you may have all the power you need, it may have four-wheel drive, and it may have all the spunk it needs, but you don't floorboard that thing and turn the RPM up all the time, do you? But when you need it, you use it. Well, God doesn't waste His power any more than we should. When we need God's power, He will give it. We don't have to just be overflowing dynamos of power all the time. Yet you find... That some folks want that. Wise men lay up knowledge. They store up the Word of God and they have it so that when the right time comes, they can use it. But the mouth of the foolish is near destruction. Look at the verse, uh, verse 15. The rich man's wealth is his strong city. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. Now look, someone says, well, you're not supposed to be rich. Don't despise money if it's given and you use it right and you're a good steward of the manifold grace of God. <coughs> And don't embrace poverty out of laziness. You see, some people want to be poor and they want to be lazy at the same time. Well, if you're going to be lazy, you'll probably be poor. But on the other hand, don't try, just try to be rich for the sake of it. But it says the rich man's wealth is his strong city. In other words, money can be used right as well as wrong. The destruction of the poor is their poverty. So don't deliberately try to remain poor just for the sake of saying uh, God loves the poor. Well, he certainly loves the poor and he loves the rich. He loves all. But sometimes the rich in the, this world is, Jesus said, it's harder for a rich man to enter heaven than a camel to go through the eye of a needle. So if you let riches become your God, then that's the wrong thing. 
or if you let possessions become your God, or if you let your poverty become your God and saying, they that would be rich, Paul says, fall into a temptation and a snare and the many foolish and hurtful lusts that drown men's souls in perdition. So some people are poor as, what's the old saying we used to do, as Job's turkey? And yet, they have just as much sin in their desire to be rich as the man that has riches and wants, wants more of it. Because it says, they that desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare. What's, what's the secret of all of it? Work hard. Let God prosper your way. When He gives you blessings, use them. But use them for His glory. And use them for the good of others. Whatever God has given you, share it with someone else. If you've been very fortunate in life, and I know we have people like that here in our church, and I'm thankful and proud of them that they do, because there are others that are in need. We have a church that's loving and caring about other people, and we won't always keep them that way. I don't know of anyone here that doesn't. I've seen people give their last... uh, Dollar and their last money to help someone else in the church and do without themselves. And you will be commended for it because that is a Christian love and attitude. But in verse 16, the labor of the righteous tendeth to life. The labor of the righteous tendeth to life. The fruit of the wicked to sin. He that uh, he that he is in the way of life that keepeth instruction, but he that refru- refuseth reproof erreth. Let's take this first verse, the sixteenth verse first. The labor of the righteous tendeth to life; the fruit of the wicked to sin. You have two things here: earnings can either be used or abused. You see, the labor of the righteous tendeth to life; the fruit of the wicked to sin. If the fruit of the wicked is used for sin, then the money, the the earnings. The prosperity is abused. But if it tendeth to life, it's blessed. It's used in the right way. It's not abused. Verse 17. He is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. But he that refuseth reproof, error. Stay teachable. Stay teachable. He that is in, he is in the way of life that keepeth instruction. When people stay teachable and they can be taught and receive instruction and keep it in their hearts, it's a real blessing. Verse 18 says, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth a slander is a fool. Verse 19, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. Words are good. They can be used for good or bad. And by the way, we need to use them sparingly and use them properly. In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. The Bible tells us to control our words, doesn't it? The Bible says a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pictures of silver. A word in season is the proper thing. Remember the little maid in Naaman's house? She just said, if my Lord were down there with the, prophet, the, with the man of God, he would, he would take care of his leprosy. He knows what to do to him. Remember old Naaman? He just got a word from the little maid that was held captive. You know, in the New Testament, it says there's a lad here with five loaves and two fishes. But what are these among so many? Just a word of suggestion. Well, we don't have anything, Lord, to feed this great multitude, but there's a lad here. You can point out where there might be some food. Jesus said, I'll just take those five loaves and two fishes, feed this whole multitude. And he break the bread and the fishes, told the disciples to distribute it. They just had... You know, it's always amazed me how this happened. Have you ever thought about it? you got 5,000 men beside women and children. And here, you know it's going to take a whole lot of food. But he break those five little loaves or biscuits and uh, the two 
small fishes, and he gave to these twelve, to the disciples, and said, go and pass it out to these five thousand. He didn't just make a great big pile of bread here and, and a great big vat and baskets of fishes and then say, here's enough for them, go and give it to them. He said, here it is, and you start distributing. And as they went and distributed, it just kept on being, there always was enough to keep on giving someone else. You would have thought by the time they got to the first row that it'd all be gone, wouldn't you? But it wasn't done that way. And that's the way the Lord works, is you and I take what He's given us and go out, and we use it, and as we go out, there's enough, and we say, well, I thought it was going to run out. No, I didn't. There's still some more there. Like the widow's oil and the meal in the barrel, right? It didn't run out. So, let's do what God wants us to do. Look at verse uh, 20. The tongue of the just is as choice silver. The heart of the wicked is li- uh, little worth. The tongue of the just is, is worth a lot, but the, the, uh, the heart of the wicked is little worth. Notice the tongue and the heart. The tongue of the just is as choice silver because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. And so his heart is good too, but the heart of the wicked is little worth. And out of his tongue comes the wicked things. In verse 21, the lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. That's the reason the tongue of the just is as silver. Why? Because the lips of the righteous feed many. You and I are to have words that feed the souls of individuals. But fools die for want of wisdom. There's great lack. Even though they have words, they're for want of wisdom. Verse 22, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. By the way, nothing else does either. It maketh rich. And he addeth no sorrow with it. A lot of people have riches, but the riches, his riches, are the blessings of the Lord. And uh, whatever God has given you, it's rich to you. You say, well, I don't have very much. Yes, but it's rich. Because God adds his blessings to it. And that's what makes it rich. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich. And he addeth no sorrow with it. I've seen people with much in life, more than any of us deserve. And they end up having problems, problems, problems. Others, God blesses them and they prosper. Others have little and they prosper. And their lives are blessed. That's not, the measuring point is not the amount you have. It's the blessings of God upon you. It's really not. It can be a $50, $100, or $20,000 or 100000 The blessings of God is what makes the difference. And when we realize that, we'll be far better off. Uh, In verse 23, It is as a sport to a fool to do mischief, but a man of understanding hath wisdom. The fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him, but the desire of the righteous shall be granted. The fear, this is insecurity for the wicked. The fear of the wicked, it shall come upon him. Men fear things, and they happen. In fact, there was a righteous man that feared too much, and it happened to him. You remember who it was? And he was one of the best men that we can read of in the Bible. You remember who it was? Job says, that which I have greatly feared has come upon me. Sometimes we fear too much, and we speak it out of our own mouths, and then it happens. Sometimes it's better for us to be quiet and not, not let the devil know the door of temptation. Right? Uh, used to have a professor... Dr. Connolly in the seminary, he says, if you're ever going to preach on the devil, don't say anything about it to him, because he'll try to turn it around. Don't let him know it. Just pray to the Lord and say, God, I've got a sermon coming up this, this week, and I want you to bless it because I've got a lot of opposition. You don't have to mention it so that the devil can get a hold of it and say, if you say, I'm going to preach a sermon on the devil, and boy, I want you to give me, give me a charge over him, the devil, he gets the mind of it, and first thing you know, it's, 
it falls flat. Keep some secrets between you and God. How about it? Sometimes the Bible says, He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the tabernacle of the Almighty. We know that Jesus perfectly did, but you and I can do to a degree. But the thing about you and I need to uh, have a real, intimate, close fellowship with God in our lives so that we just don't tell everything and let it out. So, look at this. It says uh, in verse 25 now, As the whirlwind passes, so is the wicked no more. He's going to have the end of himself. But the righteous is an everlasting foundation. His foundation is everlasting. The righteous are going to endure. And look at verse uh, 26. As vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the slugger to them that send him. Leaves a bad taste in your mouth and a bad smell coming up too, doesn't it? So is what? The slugger to them that send him. In other words, you can't depend upon it. As vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes. You know, if I go in a room where they're smoking cigarettes, which I don't like, and if you want to smoke them, you go out and do it, but let me get out of the way, please. But anyway, that, that smoke will curl around up and hit me in the face every time because I don't like that stuff. It just has a way of finding it. And smoke to the eyes. You ever sat by a campfire and you go on any side and the smoke will get in your eyes? That stuff will whirl around and it'll get right in your eyes anyway. And uh, I've had that experience in time past too. Look at verse uh, 27. The fear of the Lord prolongeth days, but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. So God prolongs the days of the righteous. And then his hope is seen in verse 28. The hope of the righteous shall be gladness. His hope is, is, is a happy hope. But the expectation of the wicked, what he expects, shall perish. Verse 29. The way of the Lord is strength to the upright, but destruction shall be into the workers of iniquity. His strength is in the way of the Lord. And then in verse 30. The righteous shall never be removed. His future... His future is unmovable. The righteous shall never be removed, but the wicked shall not inhabit the earth. He's going to be cut off. Verse 31. The mouth of the just bringeth forth wisdom, but the froward tongue shall be cut out. The lips of the righteous knoweth what is acceptable. The fruit of the lips of the righteous is acceptable. And usually that fruit is uh, honesty. But the mouth of the wicked speaketh frowardness. Chapter 11, verse 1. A false balance is abomination to the Lord, but a just weight is his delight. Those that try to give you a short weight for what you're purchasing, that's the wrong thing to do. It's abomination to the Lord. But a just weight is his delight. God delights in justice and in fair trade. Verse 2. When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. When pride, the word comes from a... Uh, original that means boiling up. When pride cometh, pride boils up. It's like you see a boiling pot and it boils up when pride cometh. Then cometh what? Shame. But with the lowly, and by the way, this is the, this place here only, as well as Micah 6, 8, only two places that you find this word in the original. Lowly is wisdom. And in Micah 6, in verse 8, it says this, He that he has showed thee, O man, what is good and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly or lowly with thy God. And that's the only two places in the Old Testament that this word is actually used, though you may find it in other uh, places. It, it's uh, in the original. It's the only two places it's used. Verse 3 says, The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the per 
perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. We're going to see in verses 3 through 9 where righteousness will bless you and it will keep you. Verse 4 says, Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteous, righteousness delivers from death. The first thing you find is it delivers from death. The righteous of the perfect shall direct his way. There's direction. When it says perfect, it doesn't mean sinlessly perfect. It means the mature or those that listen to God and become full grown in the things of God. The righteousness of the perfect shall direct his way. When a man's in the habit of living in obedience to God, he will be directed by those principles of righteousness. And it says, but transgressors, <clears throat> I mean, but uh, the wicked shall fall by his own wickedness. In other words, he's going to reap what he sows. The righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but, the tra- but transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. Transgressors are the, they're treacherous, they're renegades. Verse uh, 7, when a wicked man die, his expectation shall perish. And the hope of the unjust man perisheth. But it says the righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in his stead. So you find that uh, men are going to reap what they sow in these verses. Look, when a wicked man dieth, his expectation shall perish, and the hope of the unjust man perisheth. The righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in his stead. Caught in their own trap many times. Verse 9, And hypocrite with his mouth destroyeth his neighbor. Hypocrite is a godless or an apostate. But through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Verse 10, When it goeth well with the righteous, the city rejoices. And when the, and when the wicked perish, there is shouting. We find that uh, regardless of how the city may receive the righteous man, we know that it's out of respect that there's rejoicing. There's respect at least. In verse 11, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted, but it, but it is overthrown by the mouth of the wicked. Verses 12 and 13 go together. He that is void of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holdeth his peace. You see that? He that is void of wisdom despises his neighbor. And he's going to talk about it too, because in the next verse says, A talebearer revealeth secrets, but he that is faithful spirit concealeth the matter. Have you ever heard these two words, the least said? And by by the way, the least said, the sooner the trouble is mended. Those two verses are wonderful to go together. He that is born of wisdom despiseth his neighbor. So he's going to talk about him. He's going to be a talebearer. But a man of understanding holdeth his peace. A talebearer revealeth secrets. But he that is faithful of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. He's not always out to try to, to do someone in by his words. A talebearer. The Bible says that where no wood is, the fire goeth out. I learned that a long time ago when we had to drag wood down from the mountain to, for the little old wood cook stove we had there on Carissa Canyon. And I had to drag it down off the mountain and I thought, golly, I'll never get enough wood. And I mean, you'd go up there and find a dead limb or a dead tree, chop it down and drag it down through the snow and whatever. And sometimes you tried to get it up before it got bad weather, but, you know, they burned so much of it, that's the only thing we use. You go out there and cut that wood up, and just about the time you got it all cut up and used, Mother had it in the stove and the fire and the wood heater, and, Son, I need some more wood. Go back and do it again. So, where there is no tail bearer, the strife ceases. Where no wood is, the fire goeth out. And when there's no tail bearer, the strife ceases. You know, the best way to put out uh, gossip in the church, just quit saying anything. Just hush. Just don't, just don't repeat it. You say, well, it came to me. Well, did you have to tell someone else? If you'd have stopped it right there, that would have been the end of it, right? 
But see, we keep telling each other. And the first thing you know, someone else tells us someone else. And the first thing you know, you don't even recognize it when it gets back around. You ever played that game, you know? Tell one, whisper to the person next to you a couple of three words. Let everyone repeat it. And the time it gets back around, you don't even know it's anything you say in the first place. And sometimes uh, people are like that. Uh, let's don't be that way. Uh, verse 14 says, Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Talk it over one with another. Get some good advice before you start doing something. Get good advice. You go out here to uh, do something to your automobile. Some guy down the road may have said, You needed this and that and the other. And we say, Yeah, okay, I'll go do that. First thing you know, that wasn't a problem at all. You better check it out. Get two or three heads together and say, Oh, well, this is really what you need. Same way in other things. All through life. We have different professions, different people uh, in the uh, medical world or in the scientific world or in the, in the ministry, in the church. I'll always delight to find people that will turn their things over to the men that know how to do them in the church. By the way, if you have a funeral, one of your family dies... You get the preacher and the men that are involved. You turn it over to them and let them get you some good singers and some, take care of the thing and let the funeral home director take care of his business and it'll be much more of a blessing to you. And I'm saying that to give you some advice. It'll be a real blessing to you. But if you try to run the show, I'm telling you, no telling what will happen. And I say that because in the years I've been in the ministry, I find that when people just say, like Nancy came to me and says, okay, this is just Take uh, Troy's funeral. Randy and I prayed about it. And that's all there was to it. And some of you were here and it worked out all right. Bless his heart, we miss him. Nancy, God bless you. But other times you'll find that uh, most of the times we cause our own troubles. So if you go to the doctor, you don't start telling him what to do. You listen and say, Doc, I've got this pain here. And, and he starts checking up and finding out what you need. And uh, if it's a lack of information, tell him a few more hurts and pains you have. Maybe he can figure out two or three of them that are kind of combined. But at least don't start trying to tell him what to do. Because otherwise, if you knew what to do, why would you go to him in the first place? Same thing with preachers. If you know all about it, why don't you just do it yourself? Having a wedding, you know. I've had people say, well, you know, do you know, act like you've never had a wedding before in your life, you know. Did you ever do one? Well, yeah, I had one one time. Been preaching since 1952, and I've got an album this thick. It's got a hundred weddings in it. I've got the second one filled up. It's got about 20, and I've got the third one, and it's nearly full. So, you know, I've had one or two. And so has Brother Randy. So... Turn it over to the people that are doing what they're supposed to do, and it'll work out better. Counselors. Where no counsel is, the people fall. The men of the church, the men of this church, know how to handle the things of this church. When we turn it over to a man in the church to do something, you can just almost be guaranteed that he knows what he's doing. Because we have men that are qualified. Some of them, they can see it before it even happens. Just like Brother Nichols came in tonight Brother Donahoe nearly tripped on the vents back there, and he came in with an electric drill and some screws, and he screwed those things down. He said, we don't want anybody to fall. Amen. And people here, we've got folks that know what's going on because they talk to one another, they see one another, they, they know what the need is, and they try to meet the need. And so we need wise counsel, don't we? Where no counsel is, the people fall. But the in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Look in verse 15. He that is surety for a stranger shall smart for it. By the way, we've had that on uh, 
being surety for others, and especially surety for a stranger, shall smart for it. He shall be sore broken, it says in the margin. But it says, and he that hateth suretyship is sure. The way for you to have a sure standing is to hate suretyship. And you know what that's talking about. That's talk, talking about trying to bail any and everyone out that gets in a, that has a problem. And we had a whole lot of that previous, and we won't repeat it, but uh, usually... If the banker won't sign for you, I probably shouldn't either. You say, preacher, you're hard. Well, anyway, i got some scripture to back it up over here. We've already covered that in the past chapters. And I'm just telling you what the Bible says. Okay, the next verse. I better get off that, hadn't I? Verse 16. A gracious woman retaineth honor, and strong men retain riches. Here's a gracious woman, a charming woman. Look in verse 17. The merciful man doeth good to his own soul, but he that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. See, you can bring trouble to your own uh, doorstep. He that is cruel troubleth his own flesh. The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. In other words, reaping the deeds affect the reaping. The deeds affect the doer. Only honesty achieves satisfaction. Do do what's right and it'll be blessed. It, in verse uh, 19 it says, As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. In other words, the end of this kind of work is either life or death. Verse 20, They that are of a forward heart are abomination to the Lord, but such as are upright in their way are his delight. You can either be hateful or delightful to God. Which is it? Verse 21, Though hand joined in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Justice will finally be done. Look at that. The wicked shall not be unpunished, the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Have you ever thought in this day and hour that in some things you say, well, there's just no justice in this. There doesn't have to be now because God's going to level the playing field later on. He's going to equalize everything. He's going to... And God is in no hurry. He's got all the time there is. The Bible says that judgment is His strange work. And he's not anxious to do it. But God will do it in due time. The Bible says, I believe it's Acts chapter 17 verse 31. It says that God hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained. That's Christ. Whereof he has given assurance unto all men in that he has raised him from the dead. The resurrection of Christ from the dead is God's guarantee that one of these days he's going to judge. The world in righteousness. Alright, look at the next verse. It says in verse 22. Here's beauty and the beast, by the way. You ever heard of beauty and the beast? Look at, look at this verse. As a jewel. As, I can't hardly read it. As a jewel of gold in a swine's snout, so is a fair woman which is without discretion. Well, I'll tell you, that's something, isn't it? And then in verse 23. The desire of the righteous is only good. But the expectation of the wicked is wrath. You have desire and fulfillment in this verse. Verse 24 says, There is that scattereth and yet increaseth. And there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. We talk about the rewards of generosity. Look at that. There is that scattereth. And we're not talking about scattering like you scatter seed in the field. It's not the... The illustration is not taken here from the farmer, especially. It's taken from the business world that men that give are, are give of what they have. And it says, and yet increase. People that give to others, they seem to increase. 
Have you ever noticed that? Jesus said, Give and it, what? Give and it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give unto your bush. You see? And so he that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is he that withholdeth more than his meat, he doesn't give anything, he's tight fisted and he's stingy, and he wouldn't help anyone in the world, and yet it says, But it tendeth to poverty. You know we talk about adding and multiplying, and if you if you use this process in the things of God, God will add to you. It'll be added to you and it'll be multiplied to you. And that's why Jesus said, Give and it shall be given to you. Good measures pressed down, shaken together, and running over is the terms he uses. Pressed down, shaken together, and running over. I remember I used to pick up pecans out on the farm. We'd get that old hundred pound, that burlap sack, that gunny sack. We'd fill it full and you'd shake it down and then it'd get, you'd get another three or four pounds in it. You shake it down again, you could cram a few more in there. Finally, you get it and you put an ear on each side and then sew it together, you know. Take that big sack of pecans to the market. But you kept on shaking it down. The Lord says it's going to be given to you, pressed down, shake, shaken down, and running over. Running over. Shall men give into your bosom? People have been so generous to me and good to me, and I thank God for it. But in turn, I try to respond. And all of us should give when it's needed. There is that scattereth and yet increaseth, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but attendeth to poverty. poverty. Verse 25, and we'll try to hurry. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he uh, that water shall be watered also. Blessed and blessing. You'll be a blessing to others, and you'll be blessing. Uh, God will be a blessing to you. Look at that last part. He that watereth shall be watered also himself. And then in verse 26, He that withholdeth corn... The people shall curse him, but blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it. Now, what is this? He that withholdeth corn. In other words, this is calculated to hold up the price so that they can get more. They withhold the corn so that you'll pay more for it, but the blessing shall be upon the head of him that selleth it, that's willing to not just try to to withhold it so you'll have to have it and then cheat, uh, cheat you out of more money. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, but he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. In other words, what you seek, this is about what you're going to get. So you better seek the right things if you want good to come. He that diligently seeketh good procureth favor, so you get what you want and need. But he that seeketh mischief, it shall come unto him. Thank you for your patience and your kind attention.